0: Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go. Blow. Today is Friday, May 29th, and welcome to Locked On Dolphins brought to you by Built Bar. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com, and we are going to end this three day series today uh, discussing how well the Dolphins are constructed to compete and defeat the teams in the AFC East. If you missed the last two days, uh, we gave the Dolphins a very favorable review in head-to-head comparison against the New York Jets. We did the New England Patriots yesterday, and the Patriots did take three out of five categories. But between the Dolphins' X-Factor quarterback and the climate and schedule, Being in Miami's favor, I do think it is within reason that Miami should be aspiring to defeat the Patriots once more, yet again, in the year 2020. Today, we're going to do the Buffalo Bills, but not before we talk about some dynamics that uh, we've seen uncovered, mainly by tight end Mike Isecki, who spoke with the South Florida media yesterday uh, over a conference call and discussed the dynamics of the offseason and how he's going to go about acclimating himself to a new offense. So that's where I want to start today's show. Miami Dolphins tight end Mike Isecki met with the South Florida media on Thursday for a conference call to talk about how he's acclimating and how the Dolphins are acclimating to a new offseason program highlighted mainly by Zoom. Here's what Mike Isecki had to say. Everybody's kind of doing these Zoom meetings, and everybody doesn't have to learn a new offense, but we are installing a new offense and just kind of learning the ins and outs. It's been super productive to be on those Zoom calls and to be able to talk to our new offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, and be able to talk with Fitz, being that he's played in this system before, and then being in our meetings with George Godzi, our tight end coach. He's done a great job talking us through the run game, the pass game, our role and pass protections, all the faces that come with playing tight end. Honestly, it's been really productive, and I think that a lot of guys have been able to grasp the information that's been thrown at them so far. Gasecki continued onward to talk about the dynamics of his expectations for himself, and he really downplayed his own impact on the Dolphins as far as statistical uh, production. You know, he was asked at one point about fantasy football, and uh, he said it's kind of something that. I try to ignore because the opinions and perceptions of everybody outside our locker room and our building doesn't really mean a ton. I could go out there and have a good game and everybody's happy in the next week not produce as much and people that had the same opinion about me the week before has kind of changed. So it's not really something that I pay attention to. So he, and you'll get a lot of this for dolphins fans in general. They talked about the process and the day to day and one day at a time, not focused on the end result, not focused on individual goals And, uh, that, that's going to be a common theme anytime you hear Miami Dolphins players talk. That was also the case when Bobby McCain spoke with the South Florida media yesterday as well. Uh, selfless, love to play the game, ready to do the work, ready to put in the day to day. That's been the mantra that has been hammered home to these guys. And you're seeing these players take to it quite well, uh, which you wouldn't expect anything less after seeing the buy-in that that Brian Flores got from the Dolphins team and the players who were in the building last year uh, to experience what the turnaround looked like. But for Mike Isecki specifically, it's good to know this is the mentality he's bringing to the table because as we talked about in a recent episode exploring the ceiling of Mike Isecki in 2020 under offensive coordinator Chan Gailey, Traditionally, tight ends have not been a position group that's put up a ton of production under Chan Gailey's watch. Is that a kiss of death for Mike Osecki and rolling forward his momentum from 2019 into 2020? Not necessarily, because the other trend that we noticed with Chan Gailey's offenses over the course of his past three stops in Kansas City, Buffalo, and New York is the best players touch the ball the most. And that is mainly the core foundation of how Changeli has run his offense, to make sure the best players are the ones that are the offense is running through. He uses those best players as an engine. And at this point in time, based off the performance that Mike Isecki had over the last half of 2019, there's no reason to speculate on whether or not Mike Isecki is one of the two best weapons in the passing game because he is. The other is Devontae Parker. Preston Williams is going to be coming back from a knee injury that ended his season midway through the year. Oh, Jakeem Grant, more of a complementary weapon, he's not a volume receiver. He's had trouble with durability. Albert Wilson struggling to find the explosiveness that made him so dynamic in 2018 coming back from the hip injury. And he's been another player that has traditionally struggled with volume. Ryan Fitzpatrick is willing to throw back shoulder throws, high point catches, above the rim balls, and everything in tight coverage because he's got guys with size that he trusts with their their ball skills, mainly being Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. So to know that Gasecki's not worried about a statistical regression is good because it might come versus what his pace was uh, throughout the course of the 2000... and 19 second half of the year, which was somewhere around 700, 750 yards. And we were averaging, we were pacing for eight to nine touchdowns if he played at that pace throughout the course of an entire season. He's not worried about that. He's worried about earning his reps and earning his opportunities and the day-to-day, and that's why Mike Isecki is just another example of a great culture fit with what Brian Flores is trying to assemble in South Florida with the Dolphins. Now, of course, before we get into the Buffalo Bills today, you know I have to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. Find out what all the fuss is about. We've got a promo code locked on to save you $10 off your first box of Built Bar protein bars, the best protein bars your lips will ever touch. They've got as much protein as your average protein bar, but one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar, between 110 to 150 calories. So whether you're looking for a post-workout meal a meal replacement or just a snack throughout the day, Built Bar has something for you. Whether you like fruit flavors, dessert flavors, they've got it all, so go to builtbar.com. Promo code LOCKED on will save you $10 off your first box and find out what all the fuss is about today. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. The good news is I've uploaded the post NFL draft rosters to Madden and uh, laid the smack down on the Buffalo Bills several times on my franchise uh, with Tua. So I at least know, virtually speaking, Miami matches up quite well against the Bills. But in real life, what is that going to look like this year? If you've missed the last two shows, I have put passing offense, rushing offense, passing defense, rushing defense, and coaching head to head between the New York Jets. And the New England Patriots, uh, the Dolphins collectively have six wins between the Jets and the Bills. They took four categories against the New York Jets, two categories against the New England Patriots. So thus far, six, four losses, pretty good shape. They lost the head-to-head three to or three to two against the Patriots, but again, we should be expecting a win there this year. That should be the standard we are setting, is to succeed within the division. Uh, The Buffalo Bills are difficult because they play us hella tough, and they have for a long time. Uh, The Buffalo Bills have had good success against the Dolphins in head-to-head over the course of the past several seasons, and perhaps more difficult of a pill to swallow is Josh Allen has posterized the Dolphins, right? Uh, Josh Allen has routinely made it look easy playing against... He made Kiko Alonso look like a small child, right? So the good news is the Dolphins and the Bills have met 112 times in total. Uh, The Dolphins do have 61 wins versus 50 for Buffalo. Miami also went a a decade from 19... 69 to 1980, where they they beat the Bills every single time they played. <laughs> so for Buffalo to have closed the gap, Buffalo with Marv Levy in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, when those Bills teams went to four consecutive Super Bowls, they found great success against the Dolphins. It kind of got back to like an even keel split 50-50. Uh, But Buffalo has won four of the last five matchups, 22-16 in Miami in December of 2017, 17-21 Miami won December of 2018. Also in December of 2018, the Bills laid the smackdown in Adam Gase's final game. 42-17, 42-17, to an embarrassment. And that Dolphins win, by the way, Josh Allen had a wide-open Charles Clay in the end zone and couldn't hit him for what would have been a game-winning touchdown in the last play. Buffalo won by 10, 31-21 in uh, October, a game that was much closer than that, onside kick attempt that was returned for a touchdown, uh, was the difference maker in a 10-point win for Buffalo, and then a 17-point win for the Bills in November. So why is this? Uh, mainly because Buffalo, you know, with their head, head start on their rebuild effort with Sean McDermott, their head coach, they're, they're coveting a lot of the same things that the Miami Dolphins are as far as discipline, hard nose, blue-collar approach, so on and so forth. They want to play physical, play some bully ball. And the Dolphins, before Brian Flores got to town, were very much a finesse-style team, and Buffalo would just punch you in the mouth. And um you, you look at the personnel matchups that are now in place after Miami has had a chance to do some overhaul, and it's promising. Uh, let's start with the passing offense. So the Dolphins passing offense, we obviously know either Ryan Fitzpatrick to a of Iloa will be the starting quarterback for the team. Matt Burita will probably be the primary receiving back. Tight end, you've got Mike Goscchi, and then your pass catchers, Devontae Parker. Albert Wilson, Preston Williams, Alan Hearns. Who else makes the team from there? Obviously, Jakeem Grant in a specialist role uh, and, and limited touches. But you've got Ricardo Lewis, Isaiah Ford, Mac Hollins, Gary Jennings, like Kirk Merritt. Nobody that's going to just blow the doors off you, right? And the Buffalo Bills, they do have a really good secondary. in Tre'Davious White, Josh Norman's their second corner. Levi Wallace has held that position down in the past. Teron Johnson's their nickel corner. Uh, Micah Kyde and Jordan Poyer have been a successful safety duo, although they have seen some regression as of late as far as the production that they give up in the passing game. Tremaine Edmonds at the Mike linebacker position is capable of covering some ground. And then the pass rush for the Bills, they're banking on uh, Jerry Hughes continuing to to stave off aging and Ed Oliver to have a big breakout in 2020 in his second year. Um, the Dolphins, from a pass protection standpoint, they're weakest off the edge. Uh, the, the downside here is Jerry Hughes, despite the fact that he is uh, a little bit older. He's 31 years old. He's still got plenty of speed and explosiveness, so he can threaten you off the edge. You're going to have to find ways to slow him down. Uh, I do think the heavy anchor and the size of Miami's interior can help them bottle up Ed Oliver a little bit. So it just comes down to, okay, where are the mismatches? I like Mike Iseki's size matched up on the safeties that Buffalo has, and I think Iseki as an athlete can run away from Teron Johnson if he draws him and coverages the Knick. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is a, a bit of a... X factor as far as if he can continue to develop and turn and run man coverage, he might be a Mike Secchi neutralizer. Uh Tredavious White is one of the best corners in football. Let's not sleep on him. Devontae Parker has had a success against him, though. So it's not as though Tradavius White mans up, locks up Devante Parker, and we say, okay, you know, we're just not going to throw at Devontae. But that corner two spot is a weak spot. Miami just needs to have a receiver that's able to step up into that role. Beating Buffalo is going to have to come from sliding protection at Jerry Hughes' side, probably investing some backs in the backfield or a second tight end to put your hand in the dirt and, and double-team him so he's not getting free runs around the edge. And these secondary receivers for the Dolphins matching up. I would ultimately give the advantage the Buffalo Bills secondary, because I don't think Miami has that second star receiver that can really hurt them. Is that to say Miami can't move the ball against Buffalo? No. I think they're able to neutralize that Oliver well enough. I think you'll get your wins and losses, Trey uh, Trey White versus Devontae Parker. I think Mike Isecki can thrive. It it would have to fall on Mike Isecki and the rest of these complementary receivers, But just from a surface-level view, I would give Buffalo the advantage. Buffalo's run defense versus the Dolphins' rushing offense. We, of course, need to see how this uh, materializes, right? We need to see how this solidifies for the Dolphins in the ground game. But the investments that they've made have me optimistic, especially when considering one of the only games the Dolphins got any push last year, was the first matchup in Buffalo against the Bills. This was a Mark Walton game, and uh, the Dolphins ran a lot of duo, uh, a lot of inside zone, and managed to get some push up front and create some holes, and Mark Walton actually had a nice game rushing the football. Now take into consideration, okay, we've got physical upgrades across the board at every spot for improved ability to push the line of scrimmage. The only new addition for Buffalo in the front seven this year, they signed A.J. Klein, a linebacker, and A.J. Epinesa, their second-round pick, and then Mario Addison, defensive end. They don't have a lot of dynamic uh, athletes that are going to be game-changers, and if you can create push and get on to Tremaine Edmonds early, who is a stud at Mike Linebacker, if you can disrupt him and get into his lap between the tackles, that's a recipe for success, and that is an area that Buffalo struggled throughout portions of last season. So I would give Miami a slight edge based on hypothetically. If they got pushed last year and they upgraded everybody and they upgraded the backs in the backfield, they should be able to run the ball. Uh, and and they're key pieces up front, right? You know, A.J. Epinesa, Trent Murphy, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes. The best player here is Jerry Hughes. Mario Addison's a little long in the tooth. Jerry Hughes is a little long in the tooth. A.J. Epinesa's young, but he's not dynamic at all. Trent Meyer Murphy's young, but not dynamic at all. Ed Oliver's very undersized for an interior guy. He's going to be going up against guys that are exceed his weight by close to 40 to 50 pounds. And then star Lou is another guy who is long in the tooth. He's 30 years old. He'll be 31 by the end of this season. So Buffalo's defensive line, I think Miami can get after them a little bit. And it's because of that that I am going to give Miami the edge here. So splitting Miami's offensive units one and one Flipping the script over to the defensive side of the football. Uh, Miami's pass defense versus the Bills passing offense. Some really fun matchups here. Buffalo Bills passing offense, John Brown, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley are the top three wide receivers. That's a really good group. And then you include Dawson Knox, the tight end. Uh, Devin Singletary is a potential feature back. Zach Moss was a third-round pick this year as well. And then obviously Josh Allen, a quarterback, has been a guy who has had a ton of success against the Dolphins, but we're hoping with a drastically different approach to rushing the passer, the Dolphins can make some noise against Josh Allen in different ways. They're no longer a finesse team that's going to come at you with a lot of speed and not a lot of uh, pop and power, right? That's a big, drastic deviation from Brian Flores' Dolphins versus many other Dolphins teams. So, uh, Deion Dawkins, Quentin Spain, Mitch Morse, John Feliciano, Cody Ford. This is an offensive line that is constructed fairly similar to what we see uh, the Miami Dolphins. They like density. They like power. They like uh, lower body pop in their athletes. We know, statistically speaking, uh, the Dolphins' targeted that very specifically. Uh, Buffalo was very aggressive in their own offensive line rebuild, pulling a page out of the Dolphins, or the Dolphins pulling a page out of their playbook. Buffalo brought in like seven new offensive linemen ahead of the 2019 season. Most via three agency, Mitch Morse, uh, John Feliciano, Ty Secchi and then they bring in Cody Ford in the NFL draft. They signed Evan bame this offseason, so Buffalo's, from a pass protection standpoint, it's strength versus strength. I think the blitz packages you can get after Buffalo a little bit, and I think with the ability to play press man coverage, there's going to be some fireworks here seeing these teams match up against each other one-on-one. John Brown's speed, a little worrisome. Stephon Diggs, a little worrisome. Cole Beasley... Shifty little dude, man. He is difficult to get at your hands on. But here's the deal. The Dolphins have press corners. They're going to allow the defense to play in the face of these guys and not let them get up to optimal speed quickly and throw off the timing. And Buffalo was very much a quick game-oriented passing team in 2019. Playing in your face in press coverage, unless you get cooked – which these guys, Zavian Howard, Byron Jones, shouldn't be getting cooked. Not with what Miami's paying him, at least. I would give Miami an opportunity to bring this thing back to balance. I think Miami can get an edge and an advantage in the passing game against Buffalo. So give me Miami secondary advantage over Buffalo's passing game. Giving Miami two categories, and Buffalo won. Now Buffalo ground game. As we said, they got some big horses up front. Uh, the Dolphins overhaul, trying to bring in a bunch of heavy-handed defensive linemen as well to kind of stack things up. The X factor here, and the factor that that is too much to ignore completely. I don't. I'm not super afraid. You know my. Buffalo's backs are difficult to tackle. I like Zach Moss coming out of Utah this year in the NFL draft. Devin Singletary is a human pinball machine. Josh Allen, all six foot five, 240 pounds of him. This dude rushed for 510 yards and nine touchdowns last season. And he's had a lot of success against the Dolphins with his legs not just with his arm. You know, he he looks like a very competent passer against the Dolphins, but if you think about what he brings as a rusher as well, it's a problem. He's rushed 29 times for 318 yards against the Dolphins and three touchdowns. The next highest rushing total Josh Allen has is in three games against the New York Jets, 139 yards. So he has almost 200 more rushing yards against the Dolphins than he has against anybody else. He's also got 10 touchdown passes to three interceptions. The next highest team that Josh Allen has in touchdown passes in the league is three against the Patriots. He's got seven more touchdown passes against Miami than any other team. And he's rushed for almost 200 more yards against Miami than any other team. 13 total touchdowns he has accounted for, averaging 79 and a half yards per game on the ground against the Dolphins. The good news, I think the passing situation is able to temper this down a little bit, but if you take his tough to tackle. Backs, and you put Josh Allen's tough-to-tackle self against Miami, I can't dismiss that he has an X factor about him, especially with his legs, 29 attempts, 318 yards in four games, that Miami has to stop before I'm able to say they've got an advantage in this matchup. So I'm going to give Buffalo the advantage in the rushing defense for Miami versus their rushing offense. Which brings us to a 2-2 tie going into coaching. And there's not an easy answer here for coaching because I look at Sean McDermott's resume, and he's a very good coach. McDermott came into Buffalo, and this team overachieved his first year here. They went 9-7, then they regressed to 6-10, and and then they were 10-6 this year. He's a defensive-minded coach, and he preaches much of the same that Brian Flores preaches and expects of his players. Brian Flores, only being one year in, it's difficult to get a grasp on his sample size. McDermott boasting a twenty-three and tw- or twenty-five and twenty-three record. and if you include uh, the two postseason losses that he has under his belt with the Buffalo Bills. But I would say this, uh, despite all the eerie similarities between these two, uh, Flores does have the advantage in two areas. Challenges and aggressiveness on fourth down. Brian Flores has successfully thrown the red flag and changed calls more in 16 games than Sean McDermott has done in 48. McDermott is 3 of 15 in challenges. Brian Flores was 4 of 6 in 2019. 3 of 15 for Sean McDermott. And as far as aggressiveness... Football Outsiders has an aggressiveness index, which is designed to illustrate how frequently 2019 NFL coaches uh, had a frequency to go for it on fourth down. Brian Flores checks in on this list as the ninth most aggressive head coach in the NFL, according to the aggressiveness index. Sean McDermott checks in at 15th, a little bit more middle of the road. Both of these guys are really good defensive masterminds, game planners. Uh, They both preach process to their players. They both are building high-culture-oriented programs. But Sean McDermott's got a better resume as far as two winning seasons in three years. Brian Flores is only one year in, so I don't know how much to knock him for that. And Brian Flores has the advantage in challenges and fourth down aggressiveness. I'm going to call this a tie because I cannot definitively I'm taking the coward's way out and you can get angry with me if you'd like but I can't definitively draw the line because it's a small sample size for Flores and McDermott's very good but if Brian Flores is as good as we think he is then I don't feel right not giving him a nod here. So we're going to ax it. So Buffalo and Miami splitting two apiece. And if that's the expectation, if we're looking at matchups on the field, we should look for and hope for a win against the Bills. And if we sweep the Jets and we take two wins from a combined four games against the Patriots and the Bills, then the Miami Dolphins would finish the 2020 season at 4-2 and two in the AFC East. Now you go out, you win five more games, you go 5-5 five and five outside the, of the division, You've got a winning record this year. Is that a lot to ask? Yeah. But this team does play Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Okay, potential for two. We got the Raiders. There's potential for another one. Let's assume we steal one against the NFC West somewhere. There's four. Okay, now you're talking about now you're talking about eight wins. So, looking at how the Dolphins are constructed versus the rest of the AFC East, I don't think they are a glaring deficiency against any of these teams anymore. They should be competitive against all of them. And in some cases, <clears throat> New York, we should, if we execute, be able to come away victorious in both matchups. I hope you guys enjoyed this deep dive into the AFC East, looking at these division rivals, where they are at, where the Dolphins are at, how they measure up against each other is a tail of the tape. I've enjoyed taking the deep dive. We're going to have plenty to talk about next week as well, so make sure you hit subscribe here on the Locked on Dolphins podcast. Keep it locked in right here and enjoy your weekend. Hope to talk to you guys again on Monday.